It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome in the Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, your host, Evan Satter, and joined by co host, Brennan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Saturday. You can follow Brennan on Twitter at Brennan Clean14. Also, for our Locked On Suns tour page, you haven't already, at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporter is very much appreciated, as always. We're joining you guys here on Friday to discuss an interesting, really, discussion, Brennan, as far as how the Suns job stacks against others around the league. We have some that we have here on the list that haven't officially happened yet, but we actually have all the others on the list as well. We have the Grizzlies, we have the Lakers, the the Cavs, and the Suns. We're also going to include the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Kings just because it's so up in the air right now with those three teams and what the future is with their coach. As far as how the Suns rank, we should just dive right into it, Brandon, and go down the list. From Do you want to go from the top to bottom or the bottom to the top? Let's start at seven. So we're ranking kind of by appeal, by how much – if you're, let's say, Monty Williams or one of the candidates that's been kind of linked everywhere, which would be the one? And we're not going to, you know, there's specific things of each job. We'll go into that. But kind of just taking stock of everything, what would you most want to have? So we'll start at the least desirable and go from there, I think, if that uh, works for you. So I would say um, the least desirable to me right now pretty much all the lottery teams except for the Kings or all the, you know, top six or seven, except for the Kings and, or I'm sorry, except for the Knicks. And so I'm going the bulls, I think is the least desirable to me. Um, Okay. Yeah. I I really like their core so that, that maybe that's maybe I'm, I'm the, the bad part is weighing too heavily in my mind, but to me, you have, a front office that you just know is bad. Like you're going into a situation, you know that your bosses don't know what they're doing. I think they've demonstrated that. I don't think anyone in Chicago or outside of Chicago would say that the Bulls have made any sort of sound decisions since drafting Derrick Rose, basically. So that's where I'll start. I mean, I love Larry Markkinen. I really like Wendell Carter Jr., even though we didn't get to see a ton from him. They have obviously a top pick this year, but you know, your GM's bad. The team doesn't have it, it's a it's a fun core, but they definitely don't have that star yet, and they're probably not going to get that star this year. So you're not in a place where you know you're going to turn it around quickly. And all that considered, you know, I just I really don't like that that situation. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I was just factoring in as far as like from a coach's perspective. I feel like if you get like a Chicago, like a LA and New York job, I feel like those are just elevated because it's such a national city. You know, that's where I, I feel like that might play a role just because that's more of an, if we're factoring in just like the front office and the roster though, I agree with you. I feel like it's near the bottom of that list. And for me, for my bottom team, I actually have the Cleveland Cavaliers just because you have an unstable owner, Dan Gilbert. You also have no talent really there at all. I don't believe in Colin Sexton as a really elite prospect. Kevin Love's going to be traded here soon for what probably pennies on the dollar because his contract's so terrible. I don't, I just don't see a future in Cleveland unless you luck in the Zion. Like that seems like a team that with no LeBron now, with no Kyrie Irving, they're going to be in the depths of the lottery for, I think, for a while. 
I agree with you. I mean, I, I the Cavs are sixth for me out of this seven these seven teams, so we might as well move into them. I, w- I would say one last thing on Chicago, though, and I, I definitely uh, agree that there's a certain you know shine to getting a job market. We know the Bulls are one of the most historically important franchises in the NBA, but um, think about the coaches they've hired. It's not as if they've really attracted those guys. You know, Tom Thibodeau was a respected assistant, but he was still an assistant. That's a pretty typical coaching hire. Fred Hoiberg, really not. He was coaching in a mid-major. And then now Jim Boylan, who was an assistant on Hoiberg's staff. So I agree with you, but I, you know, whether that's not paying guys or that's just misidentifying talent, Thibodeau was clearly the right hire, but they kind of held on for a while and the players there doomed him. So I don't know. I mean, I, I agree, but it hasn't necessarily shown up where coaches are really eager to do that. But Cleveland, I completely agree. Less talent, the least talent by far of any of the, the teams we're going to talk about, considering they don't even have the one guy that you can kind of hold your hat on. So I, I agree with you there. Um, owner that has kind of made wrong decisions left and right. It's competitive with the Suns for the worst ownership group in the league. Mike Brown, Byron Scott, David Blatt, Tyron Lue. Those are the coaches that he's hired. Lou was LeBron's pick, basically. Blatt flamed out, and the rest of the guys are pretty much proven to be bad, bad NBA coaches. So not a good track record there. I definitely see where you're coming from putting them seventh. Yeah, it just seems like I'm really worried about that team long-term if they don't get like a Zion prospect because – it could be a situation where they're not a playoff team for a long time, just because I think the Kevin Love trade not going to get much at all, just because his contract, like I mentioned, so bad. But number six for me on the list is actually the Memphis Grizzlies. I know I love Jaron Jackson, Triple J is one of my favorite prospects, but I feel like this is a team that could be moving to Seattle in like five or six years. Brandon, I just feel like this is a team that is unstable right now. They have John Holland direction up the ranks at a former blogger of ours who worked for ESPN and now he's I think second in command in Memphis so congrats to him but it just seems like outside of Triple J whatever you get in the Conley trade you didn't get much at all in the Gasol trade I know DeLon Wright's nice and all but that's not like a, a, a guy you can build around so to say but Triple J there's really not much outside of that so it has me really worried about them long term and like I mentioned I feel like if there's ever reshuffling in the NBA I feel like Memphis more New Orleans is the team that might get on the move to Seattle. Uh, yeah, I think it was, I don't remember, um, Richard Jefferson today said the Pistons, somebody said, where do you go after the Pistons? And Richard Jefferson on the jump today said Seattle, which is rough. Uh, but yeah, the Grizzlies, I think their fans are a little better than to deserve that, but they were 26th in attendance, average attendance this season. So it's not as if they're proving me wrong there by going to these games and the team has not necessarily given them enough to earn that. Hollinger's actually down. Uh, he's he's only a senior advisor at this point. They just promoted a 30-year-old to executive vice president of basketball operations and demoted their GM to a scout. Oh, it's wow. certainly not great there. I think the one thing that separated them and put them in fifth place for me, which we can get to our number fives here in the next segment was I just think Jaron Jackson's special. I think he could be, you know, he could be an all NBA player. He could be a defensive player of the year candidate, depending on where he goes from offense, you might be talking about, you know, a top 
10 guy in the league. You know, he has that ceiling. I'm not saying he'll get there, but that is something, not something you can say about an individual player on many of these rosters. So that's what separated them. But I mean, still, I put them fifth. And one thing before we close out this segment, I wanted to, to say about one thing that I would say gives me um, a little bit of hope for the Cavs and the reason I put them six instead of seven, not to move back too far here, but stay with me, would be I think their general manager, we're talking about the Grizzlies not having a stable front office, the Bulls having a bad front office. I think between David Griffin and now his kind of protege, if you will, Kobe Altman taking over, they've made good decisions. They're set up there to have cap space. They're set up there to – they have all of their own future picks. They haven't you know, signed veterans to try to keep winning aside from Kevin Love, but everybody knows he's getting traded. So I think that is one area where I, I think – Altman has done a good job so far, and I think they're in a good spot there, even if their owner is probably the worst one of the bunch. Brent, I feel like some listeners might be impressed that we didn't list the Suns in the bottom two of any of ours. Oh, the Suns are far higher than that for me. I mean, I, we all talk about how much how miserable this team is, but they have two guys that are pretty likely to make an all-NBA team in their career and a bunch of other young guys we like. That's why it's so frustrating that they're screwing it up is they have the talent. Like a lot of these teams don't have. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we'll get into the Suns later on, but I feel like we probably have them around the same area on our list here. But before you go into our five and four, as far as ranking one through seven, as far as the most attractive coaching jobs possibly on the market this summer, I want to tell you guys really quickly about our locked on NBA Twitter account. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and give us a follow at locked on NBA net. Burr and I both follow that account. I both have our account synced on there as well if you're locked on Suns coverage you guys love here. But if you want to get a national taste, a national scope as far as the playoff coverage and the offseason goes, go and give us a follow at Locked on NBA Net. And if you are looking to sell your home sometime this year with the summer coming up, maybe not the best time to move, get it in while you can. Start looking. Find that home. Lock it down. Get into that dream home before the summer hits. Maybe it's going to have a pool to cool you off. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you, make sure Homey is part of that process. We have been telling you about these guys and everything that they're doing for a while now. Hope you're taking advantage because the numbers speak for themselves here. And and not just the numbers, but the package they offer. That starts with $1,500 rate to sell your home. That includes a listing fee. That includes your closing fee. Everything packaged into one just $1,500, $1,500, a really microscopic amount compared to not only the price of your home, but the relative amount that you'd normally would have to pay if you went through even a real estate agent that you trust. Those guys live to make money off of these transactions. Homie does the opposite. They're there to help you. They're there to make you feel comfortable. And like I said, get you into that dream home. Price, you know, fees, all that stuff is the least of their concern. They will help you get a $5,000 up to a $5,000 buyer refund on the front end with these purchases and on the back end, help you qualify for a loan to make the process of paying for that dream house even easier. To learn more about my friends at Homey, I want you guys to text the word SUNS, S-U-N-S, to 88588. Text the word SUNS to 88588. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I'll start us off here. As I said, my number five is the Memphis Grizzlies for the reasons that I listed. I think Jaron Jackson's special, and despite the changes consistently to their front office, and they really don't have any more talent than that, um, I just think not a lot of teams can say they have a guy like Jaron Jackson who might have won the rookie of the year or at least finished second if he had stayed healthy. Yeah, Triple J special. I think if any other draft, 2018 is looking like a really special draft class. I think if he was in 2017, 2016, might have been number one pick in the draft in both those just because he's such a special prospect. But for number five, I have right above the Grizzlies, the Chicago Bulls, just because I, I factor in market a little bit here just because I feel like coaches kind of want that a little bit. But an interesting question. I know we've already covered the Bulls and Grizzlies a little bit in our previous segments. So let me just ask you this prospect on prospect question that I think our listeners might find interesting. Jaron Jackson or Laurie Markin, who would you rather build around? Oh, Jaron Jackson. Okay. For sure. I mean, it's just the two-way ability, right? Larry might be one of the worst defenders in the league, and he doesn't have a clear path to getting better. So that's what's tough. And they've already pigeonholed him into playing the four because they drafted Wendell Carter there. So he might be a, a, a playable defender at the five, but they're really going to have to figure out how to make him work with the four, whereas Jackson, I think, is – maneuverable, versatile, the fact that they don't already have talent there and they can kind of see what he turns into is going to be really fun to see. So that one's easy for me. Another Bulls-based question here since we're on the topic. If they land Zion somehow, do they trade Markin or do they trade Wendell Carter? Because I think one has to go. Yeah, that's interesting. And not, I hadn't really thought about it. They're the one team that kind of has an answer at both front court spots of the guys that – of the teams that could reasonably get him. That's not really – something I had considered even the Hawks could start Zion and not really have to change too much about their roster. So uh, that's a good question. I would say Markinen, maybe you could think about him off the bench, at least for one season, or maybe they would bench Zion because that's how these things work and teams don't trust rookies, but maybe not right away. I do agree. Eventually that would have to happen, but I mean, Zion and Wendell Carter, especially if Carter can kind of space the floor a little bit as he gets older would be awesome to watch. I was about to say, but I forgot he just got fired. I was, I was about to say, Laurie would have been a great fit in Igor's system, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, Igor doesn't have a system to run here anymore. But number four for me is the Wizards. Um, that one is a one more similar to the Bulls. We are kind of guessing. The Bulls didn't officially commit to Jim Boylan, who was their interim head coach. The Wizards have not really made a decision at all because they don't have a general manager, having just fired Ernie Grunfeld who was in that role for 15, 16 years over there. I don't think Scott Brooks really has done much to earn his job the past few seasons in Washington. That team seems like it always underachieved, and now they're kind of bottoming out as John Wall recovers and they start to build through the draft. So not a lot to love there. The stability, I think, would stand out, as people seem to say. Ted Leonsis, the owner there, doesn't really love to fire people. He wants to kind of keep that stability there. What a dream that sounds like. Um, but the Wizards stand out. They're four for me just because of Bradley Beal. And, I mean, and Wall, if he becomes anything close to what he was, that's a team that you can count on to compete for a playoff spot. So at a certain point, it's like, yeah, there's a bad situation. But if you're talking about a team that 
could return to the playoffs as soon as next season. That's appealing to me. We actually have the exact same spot here for the Wizards number four overall. So let me ask you this. If you're a GM, because I think it's an interesting question just because the GM spot hasn't been open or been filled yet. If you're a GM, would you walk in there and just blow it all up and trade Beal and trade Wall? Or would you try to trade Wall? Or how would you go about that? Because I feel like some people could view that as a win now possibility. Some people could view that as a possibility to really start from ground zero and just trade everyone and really build their own team. I think they're going to have to do both. You know, I think they have to get younger. They have to start to really be honest with themselves about how to maximize what they have. And that's not, you know, signing Dwight Howard and Jeff Green and trying to compete for the seventh and eighth seeds. That's maybe, you know, next year, maybe they don't make the playoffs, especially Wall won't be back until probably the all-star break. If he, if he comes back, maybe they just sit him, you know, who knows? Um, but you know, they have Troy Brown who I really liked last year. He had a shockingly good rookie season. He had 80 assists to 30 turnovers. That's pretty, I did not notice that in the season. Of course, wasn't watching the wizards too much, but I went back recently and looked and so they can do move on from there and add another pick. And that's pretty intriguing. I would say you keep both of those guys because you don't really have a, I don't think you trade Beal. He's too good of a player. And then wall, you're going to have to give up assets to move. So that's not really worth it at this point. So I'd keep both, but then kind of on the margin, start to get younger. I think for me, if I was a GM, just if I had the possibility of ever interviewing for a GM position, I would, I would trade Bradley Beal, I think, just because I feel like this could be his peak value this summer. You're going to be able to get a lot for him. Like I feel like you get like a Jamal Burry type player for a Bradley Beal. And if you have the chance to get one of those pieces like that, and just reset and then maybe trade John Wall in like two or three years when he's fully healthy, maybe at that point, or if not, just sink cost and see what happens. But I think for that team, I think trading Bradley Beal is the best bet for them to accelerate the rebuild. But if they don't trim, I feel like they're going to be a, a mediocre team for the next five to seven years. I hear you. I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I'm sure listeners are tired of how much I tend to lean toward the blow it up side of things and, and really constantly relying on building through young players, but, you know, Beal is young too. You know, that's the thing. He's only just started his second contract. He's in the middle of that second contract and is really just starting to enter his physical prime. So I think he's still getting better and I wouldn't give up a guy like that, even if it maybe allows you to reset, you know, if the package blows you away, you always have to consider it. But I would say he's just, man, he's, he's really impressive. I think he's somewhat of a best case scenario for Booker, you know, so I, I, that would be tough for me to give up on. But if it allows you to be more flexible elsewhere, obviously that, that type of opportunity you have to think about as you kind of really try to set yourself up for success going forward. But uh, maybe a little bit of a shorter segment for this one, and we can really dive into the top three here. want to tell you guys before we do that about the Locked On NBA show, really awesome stuff going on. And I don't just tell you guys about this because it's my job, but I tell you because I listen to the show and I learn a lot from it. So Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, who maybe you guys all hate, but maybe hear him out a little bit on some of this stuff. They talked about Phoenix and the coach situation earlier this week on his episode with Wes Goldberg of Locked on Heat. And they got you covered on everything. You know, if there's breaking news on other stuff, they're going to hit, but otherwise it's going to be playoffs every day. As we lead up into the draft, more of that will come on. As we've said before, maybe Evan and I will show up there here and there to talk about the draft. 
there's any news with the Suns, I'm sure that uh, we will be on Monday with the local stories from the local experts episodes that we give you guys every week there. But other than that, it's just the same bite-sized stuff that you love from all of the rest of our shows around the country and helps you keep up with everything going around, going on around this crazy league. Listeners also want to tell you guys about ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing process of reviewing all of it, but today hiring is easy and you only have to go to one place to get that done. It is ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. That's our promo code locked on today. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the world's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. They have a powerful matching technology that lets them scan thousands of resumes in an instant to find the right people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80%, that's actually a lot, that's actually a surprising amount, 80% of employees who post, employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That is pretty remarkable. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within just a day. Wow. And right now, our listeners here on the Locked On Network, our loyal Locked On Suns listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's go to the number three team on my list. That is the Phoenix Suns. This is where I settled on them. It's for a whole variety of reasons, mostly related to job security. Not the most appealing job in the world, but you get to coach Devin Booker. You get to coach DeAndre Ayton. You get to live in live in Phoenix all winter, which is beautiful, and. Uh, I think that that's enough to get past the Wizards, who might make the playoffs next season, but not a lot of long-term uh, outlook that's too shiny there. A lot more of it in Phoenix. Yeah, is it fair to say, Brendan? I actually have the Phoenix Suns at number three as well. I was really cut teeth for a few minutes in the last few Suns trying to think of who three through one, just because I feel like they're so close as far as the rankings go. But I have the Suns three as well, and. If it was for Robert Sarver's meddling issues and just the constant turnover, I feel the Suns would be an easy number one, wouldn't they? Um, yeah, it's almost hard to envision that, to you know, right? Like for the past fifteen years, this guy has put his hands into everything, and so it's kind of hard to separate that. But just looking at talent and market, I think it's it is pretty high, you know. And I think the talent might even look better if Sarver had never been involved. So. Yes, maybe you're right. I would say the Lakers, who are uh, 
on this list are much more appealing from a individual player standpoint. But when you think about the core, the Suns are one of the brightest in the league. You know, I think fans know that who have watched this team despite 40 wins the last two seasons. So yes, but who do you have number two? Ooh, this is a tough one, but I went with, this is not that I believe the young core is better, but I might be kind of saying that right now just because I think De'Aaron Fox is very special. I feel like, and Bagley and Aiden were pretty close, actually. If you look at the rookie numbers, I feel like those That's guys... so shocking, isn't it? It is. Like, they're almost identical, and it's very surprising to see how good Bagley got. And he's shooting pull-up threes now. If you weren't watching the Kings in the second half of the season, the guy is shooting a really good clip on pull-up threes. He's hitting catch-and-shoot threes, and he's doing what I thought Aiden would be doing already at a rapid rate. And, I think he and he's be- not lost on defense, which is the most impressive part to me i feel like he could be a guy i don't want to be too hyperbolic here but i feel like he could be a guy in year two if he starts to get he could be a 20 and 10 guy right away yeah so what do you think just because i think i put the kings too as well so i think that will be the one where if we hear about this on the internet from our listeners it will be on that one but what do you think let's let's go fox first i mean what's his ceiling not you know i don't need to give me stats or anything but is he a first team all nba i don't think he's that what do you think kind of like what's his role what does he look like on a great team and what's kind of his ceiling in the hierarchy of the nba all right i think we disagree on the Aaron fox a little bit because i feel like if he develops a pull-up three or at least like more consistency from three and he can drive and do what he does now and pass like he does and play defense like he does now he could be the best point guard in the league in like three or four years i'm not i really feel that because because i feel like if he develops yeah, three-point game like a pull-up game like Harden does or Steph does, if he can start doing that and add in what he has now and get more physically built, he's going to be really, really good. Yeah, I mean, he's going to need to finish, and that's going to be the thing for him, I think, just because he's small. So uh, that's that's fascinating. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm that high. I mean, okay, so, yeah, he, he finished in the restricted area 63% this year, higher than Devin Booker. <laughs> and uh, that's that's not what I was expecting. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. Let's see, 35% on pull-up threes this season. Um, if they build the right way around him, I think that you're right. I mean, I don't know if, I, if I'd take him over some of the other guys, but think about who else you're talking about. That's Jamal Murray. No. Um, that's – I don't even know. Who are the other point guards that you might take ahead of him? There's not a lot. So, okay, now Bagley, though. What about, you know, do you think he figures it out on defense? Can he be a starting five on a title team? Just, just before I go into that, I want to make sure our listeners know, I do not think De'Aaron Fox is better than Devin Booker, just to let everyone know. I think Devin Booker is – Do you think a, Booker could be a first-team All-NBA? you think he could be a top-two guard in the league? I do. I really do. I feel like he could be – if they use him right, it's, it's really going to be interesting when they do this summer because I feel like it's going to tell us a lot about the next three or four years. But if they use him like Harden in two or three years and develops into that, he could be just like James Harden now. I, I have no qualms saying that. Yeah, Fox is never going to be the scorer. So I think that's that's the leg up that he has. And, you, you know, the point guard, all the best point guards now seem to not have to score, but it just helps their team so much if they can create for themselves and for their teammates. So Fox becoming that type of scorer, I just don't know if he has the balance to his game in the half court, all that to make that happen. But, you know, like I said, I, I don't think putting a ceiling on him makes a whole ton of sense. That's interesting, though. Um Bagley is so high on him, but yeah, Bagley. Do you think he can be a starting five on like a on like a great team? 
If he's doing what he's doing the last two months of the season, absolutely. If he can do better on defense, and I know he got a lot better like Aiden did in the last second half of the season, but like I mentioned earlier, I feel like he's ahead of Aiden right now offensively. I know he's a worse finisher, I think a lot worse finisher at the moment, but if he gets that and he gets more built and he's doing what he's doing now from three, I know it's not a great clip on the surface, but if you dive into it more just as monthly splits, it's a really promising sign from him. And I think Marvin Bagley's a guy who, like I mentioned, he's going to be a 20 and 10 guy right off the jump, maybe next year or the year after that with Aiden. Those guys, they're going to be really similar to Fogg. I feel like if Aiden can be a rim protector, he's going to be better overall than, than Bagley. But I feel like both those guys might be fighting in the next three or four years for Western Conference All-Star spot together. Yeah, Bagley's just a crazy athlete. That's what really surprised me is how quickly that part of his game came with him to the NBA. That And all Suns fans will remember what he did <laughs> against them. And what was that, like February, that game where he just he missed like three shots total and just looked like a monster. Um, that was that was really eye-opening to me. I did not love him. Just based, really, I think maybe I overreacted to his defense. His defense was worse than Aiden's. Let's just put it that way in college. And everyone knows the concerns we have continue to have with Aiden on that end. And he was still better or still uh, still worse. So that's that's scary. But, yeah, Bagley allowed, let's see, he allowed 63% at the rim this year. So not great. But I think he looks better than I thought he would. So. That's interesting. I mean, I think the other factors, too, to consider here would just be um, Vlade seems to have the trust of ownership, seems to be kind of carving his own path out and making this franchise more in in his vision. Sacramento is, you know, a decent place to live. They have great fans. They just built a new arena. So that type of stuff, I think, plays a part here, too. And um as shocking as it might be to say, I think there's more stability right now in Sacramento than there is in Phoenix. But that means we both have the Lakers number one. Is that just LeBron for you? Yeah, the greatest player of all time for me. I know I'll get some pay for saying that, but he, it's it's my era as Michael Jordan, and I'm going to stick by that, just seeing what he's done. And I, if I had the opportunity to ever coach a guy like that, I'm doing that every day of the week, just even with the drama and stuff like that. I can win a title with him year one. If I, or if I gain his trust right away, then I'm there for four or five years. So. I think LeBron James, the market, especially Los Angeles, too, factoring that in. Lonzo Ball, I think, still has a lot of upside as well if he gets going with a shot. Brandon Ingram, I don't know about. I'm kind of on the fence now with the blood clot stuff. Kyle Kuzma, I'm on the fence about still as well. I feel like if I was maybe not the, the coach with the GM there, I'd be very intrigued to maybe move all those pieces for like a, if it's not Anthony Davis, maybe someone else, just because I feel like they can make a big run next year in, in LeBron's twilight because I feel like that's obviously their goal there. But with the insta there at the Magic Johnson, I feel like I, I was very close to not putting number one just because it's so turmoil there right now. I did think about putting the Kings number one too. I, actually, at first, that's what I was going to do. And then I got in, into the end of my process and I was like, okay, come on. What am I doing here? Like, how many teams can you reasonably say next season have a chance to win the title? The yeah. Lakers have to be on that list, even if. You know, we don't know what they're going to do this summer. The odds of them actually pulling it off seem low with how much, how many times they've failed trying to do this over the past several seasons now. But they have the guy that matters most already, and they could win the title next year. There's maybe, you know, a half dozen teams who you could even say that about realistically. You're going to pick that situation if you're a 
uh, an accomplished head coach who wants to complete kind of his career over the Kings, the Suns every day of the week. Let me ask you this is from an ownership only standpoint. I feel like Vivek Ranadive, I know it was really rough in his first one or two years there because he wasn't getting the right guys in the positions, but the last four or five years, I feel like Ranadive has done a really underrated job in Sacramento where he got the new arena, he got Vlade in there, he got Peja in there as well, Peja Stoakovich helps on the front office. They have all these guys there, they have all these young pieces. I mean, Sacramento was a laughing stock like the Suns kind of are right now. And in the last three or four years, really especially the last two or one or two years, they've really got a hole. And I think Ron Divas played a big part in that. I think from an ownership perspective, I, I take him over Jeannie Bus any day of the week right now. Yeah, and it's kind of funny to a certain degree how much we the perception of a meddling owner changes based on how much their craziness kind of works. I think if I, I I'm pretty sure I have this right that one of the main reasons that the Pelicans or the Kings picked the Pelicans offer when they were looking to trade Boogie All-Star Weekend 2017 was that Vivek loved Heald and thought he was the next Steph. That quote came out. He's not the next Steph Curry, but he hit past anyone's wildest dreams. That guy's going to be the best shooter in the league once Steph and Clay start to wind down. He's legit and will be a great scorer for a long time. And they made that trade look okay in hindsight somehow. So it's funny how that story would be a joke if Heald just flamed out with the Kings. Now he's good and it looks like, oh, wow, what a, what a you know savvy move. Not like everybody thinks Vivek should be the GM now, but it's funny just kind of how that, that works, where if we heard some story tomorrow about how Robert Sarver was demanding that they take DeAndre Hunter number one, we'd all roll our eyes. Yeah, I de- definitely, definitely would there, but – I know this isn't a Kings podcast. I know we're talking about the Lakers here at number one, but just to close things out, I just found it intriguing what the Kings, what they could do. I feel like a package of Heald and Bogey, Bogdan Bogdanovich with their picks, if you're building solely around Fox and Heald, they could be a team to watch out for as a sleeper team next year, maybe next year's deadline or maybe the 2020 summer, because I feel like they're a team, if you add in like a star three and D wing there alongside Heald and Heald and Bagley, like maybe what they're looking for now with Booker and Aiden, they could be a team that's really rapidly rising. For sure. And they tried to do that with Harrison Barnes and obviously not the answer, you know, for the next 10 years or anything, but I agree. I think they're going to be really fun. And I think they have some interesting stuff to decide on this summer. They're going to have cap space and maybe they're finally starting to be an appealing place. I would say to close things out though, you know, they already hired Luke Walton. And the reason we included them is just because he's going through a situation to say the least right now. And, Maybe that results ultimately in him not being the coach of the team. We'll have to see how that plays out. But we included them just because, you know, at the beginning of the summer, they obviously had an opening there after firing Dave Yeager. So they they deserve to be considered. You know, if we're putting ourselves in Luke Walton's shoes, he was looking out on the market and homed in on the Kings right away. So I think that kind of shows as well after being linked to the Suns by Sean Devaney. So I think, as I said with Gerald on our Wednesday episode, I think – there are coaches who it makes sense to pick Sacramento or Phoenix over the Lakers. So it's not to say that Monty Williams would never consider the Suns over the Lakers or, or whatever other coach comes along would be just stupid to do that. It's a pretty different circumstance. And I think the Suns should be pretty happy that looking out like this, they're third among a group of teams that at least all of them have something 
to offer. You know, it's the NBA. These guys are good players in situations as, as Robert Sarver loves to say, and as Gerald said, there's only 30 of these jobs. So for the Suns to be three out of the seven that have openings right now, that's, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Oh yeah, really good for the optics right now with the situation. But if we're zooming forward to May May 14th, May 15th, after the lottery, and they have Zion Williams on this team, I don't care if you have a medley owner, they're number one right away. Wait, what did you say? If they get Zion Williamson on May 14th, as far as the lottery oh, goes, and yeah, they're still a meddling owner, they're they're going number one. I think that LeBron and the Lakers would still be ahead of that for me, but I would put them for sure number two. You know, that blows away the Kings' core at that point. Forget the somewhat relatively better stability in Sacramento if you get to coach this core plus a generational prospect on top of it. Then, yeah, no brainer at that point. And the the stakes become higher, but the opportunity becomes greater at that at the same time. That would be an awesome job if you're a coach. Can you imagine you get to come in and after all the craziness that's gone on here, you get to step in right as they get one of the better draft prospects in a while and you get to kind of be the guy who guides them back to 30, 40 wins right away. Yeah, that would be very appealing from that standpoint. Maybe who knows if they did win the lottery, do you think if they didn't hire a coach by then, do you think a lot of top tier coaches would actually be fawning over the Suns job just because they have Zion and Booker? I mean, I think they probably know what they're getting into already. They should see the opportunity here and, and be excited about it at this point, knowing that that's a possibility, you know, and the Igor didn't know he was necessarily going to have a shot at Luca or DeAndre last this time last season, but knew he'd get a you know top pick again. So I think it has to excite people, and I would hope they hire somebody before then. But if not, then I guess that would only add to the craziness of lottery night. Alrighty, guys, that's for today's episode. Appreciate everyone listening in. As always, we'll be back to you guys Monday for our three times a week episodes here on Locked On Suns. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.